Welcome to the Father's House Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy this message. If you want to know more about our ministry or get in touch, visit our Facebook page at the Father's House Christian Fellowship. Our Instagram handle is fhcapetown or email us at admin at fhcf.org.za. Good morning, everybody. Everybody online. So blessed to be with you this morning. Um, before I start, first things first, just want to give honor to our leaders. Thank you so much, Pastor Tim and Chavez, for the opportunity to share the platform. Um, the bar is set high every week, so <laughs> I'm really just thrilled to be with everybody. So, yeah, um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jerry. I'm going to be sharing on a specific topic with you this morning, and I'm going to give it a title, I think. Um, giving it a title just makes it a bit more real. Um, so I'm going to title this A Different Side to Jesus. And I think the main reason why God has led me to speak about this is basically from what's come out of my life, where I've come from. I'm not going to go into too much detail concerning my testimony, but there's something very specific I believe that God wants to share today. So I'm just going to kick it off with a story. So in 1999, Johnny was playing on Christmas Eve. He was playing in the street. And there was some sort of top secret rule that Johnny discovered. He and his buddies in the street though, so they figured that if they can stay awake till midnight, they can get their present sooner. Then they don't have to wait for the next morning. So the whole street of kids were playing around and they were waiting for midnight and they were playing soccer in the streets. They were playing whatever they could find, hide and seek, just to stay awake. And the parents were sitting in the street and they were looking at this and they were waiting for the kids to just fall asleep. But Johnny and his buddies just completely refused to go to sleep. And at five to midnight, they all ran into the house and they were sitting at the trees and they were just absolutely waiting to open up their presents. And I remember Johnny specifically, he got a little box from his mom, very thin little box. Now Johnny then didn't have all the money in the world. Johnny was the type of guy that if he wrapped a newspaper, he'd run through the streets shouting whatever he read. That's the kind of person that he was. And he opened up the first present, basically his only present that Christmas. And when you open it up, it was a Backstreet Boys CD. Now, for those of you who know Backstreet Boys, they were quite epic back in the day. I won't admit it, even though I kind of just did. But uh, I Want It That Way was the hit single. Um, so Johnny opens up this present and he opens up the box and he finds the CD and he runs to the CD player. It's midnight, just past midnight on Christmas. He throws it into the CD player, pumps up the volume and he starts jamming this, that specific song. And he's so thrilled that he got a Backstreet Boys CD. A few years down the line, Johnny decides he's going to bless his 14-year-old son with exactly the same gift. And he goes out looking for a CD. And his son obviously knows the tricks to the trade. His dad probably told him this along the way. And Johnny's son, 14-year-old son, stays awake with his buddies till Christmas. And what Johnny then did was he bought his son a CD as well. Because at his age, at, at, when he was 14, that had some great sentimental value. And he thought, let's do the same for my son. My son is turning 14. I'm going to buy him a CD. Now, I don't know what CD it was. But when it hit 5 to 12, Johnny's son comes running into the house and they park under the tree. Obviously, he runs and he gets this little small little box from, from Johnny. And he has no idea what this could be, thinking at something that is applicable to his time. And Johnny's 14-year-old son opens up the gift and he sees there's this, there's this thing. It's flat. It's round. It's got a massive hole in it in the middle. And he turns his dad. He says, Dad, but I didn't ask you for a broken frisbee. What is this? So this is my story. And I'm going to start off with this. Just like the CD, back in the day, things have moved on. 
Things have progressed. Things are not the same as it used to be. The way of doing things, thinking in certain areas, um, approaching people, things have changed over the years. That which was applicable a few years ago might not necessarily, even though it might still work, I would question the effect effectiveness of how things are done. As you know, in most of our lives, um, obviously not all of us, um, but your cell phone has become an extension of who you are. A few years ago, there was no Facebook, social media. There wasn't even websites. I remember the first time I remember I found out what a www was. It took me forever to figure out what it stood for. And now you can't go without websites. You can't go without social media. Twitter is the in thing. Instagram, the whole world knows how you look like in your family, even the projects that you take on. And we can't assume that because the world has progressed in such a manner that Christianity has stood still. We have, to, we have to understand that as the world progresses, I'm not saying changing of doctrine, I'm not talking about Jesus isn't the same yesterday and forever. I'm talking about how we handle that which God has given us. We have as much tools as the world has. Now, I'm a firm believer, and you can quote me on this, but the devil is not working harder than what he did a few years ago. In fact, he's working smarter. Why? Because he has created such a game plan for himself that he will use every single item, social media platform to his availability. At a click of a button today, you can have access to the worst things in the world. Click of a button. You don't even have to click on that button. You can be on a normal clean site as an example and you would have random ads pop up. Why? Because he's figured out to use the tools that's available to his advantage. And I believe that the church has exactly the same tools, if not more. And there's an opportunity for the church and the body of Christ to impact the generations, to impact the world through the same type of media because God, after all, is the creator of everything. And you need to also understand that the devil can't create. He copycats or he perverts whatever has been created already. So as much as we like being comfortable, I want to just mention today that it is absolutely dangerous to stand still when everything else is moving forward. And I'm going to give a few examples. Um, so just having a look at when Jesus showed up at the time that he did. The priests, the Pharisees, the scribes, all of them, if there's one thing that they should have known, it's Jesus. They have studied intensely every prophetic book that there was. They should have seen Jesus coming a mile away. Do you agree? Based on scripture, based on what you know about them, they could quote basically the entire Old Testament. So technically, they should have seen Jesus when he appeared. They should have. But Jesus stood in front of them face to face, and they didn't recognize the King, the Son of God, which they knew were coming as the Messiah. But as he was standing in front of them, they couldn't recognize him. Why? Because his approach was different to what was years ago. If you have a look at how God operated in the Old Testament versus how Jesus operated in the New Testament, it's different. Why? Cultures have changed, the scenes have changed, the people have changed. So Jesus came in with a bang. Why? Because they studied the Old Testament books and they expected Jesus to come in a certain way and form and do something in a specific manner. And Jesus did absolutely the opposite. 
I would be as bold to say is some of the stuff that Jesus did was just wild, weird, and wonderful. Because it was. So Jesus did not come in the same way as years before. Why? Because Jesus knew that the people has changed, they've developed, and there was a specific approach that Jesus had to incorporate to make sure that he got the attention of the world. How, how big of a scene is it to hang on a cross and emphasize publicly the love you have, not just for the righteous, but for sinners. And one of the th approaches that I want to just emphasize today is we walk around today and there's a lot of doctrine going around where Jesus hates sinners. I want to break that doctrine over you today. And I want to tell you that Jesus is absolutely in love with sinners. And he pursues every sinner just like he pursues you. We are very easy to think in one direction when God is actually thinking in another. Because every person, if you think about it today, once was a sinner. So every saved person, everybody that's joined the body of Christ cannot afford to walk around thinking that God has a problem with sinners. God has a problem with their lifestyle and with their sin, but his heart is for them. Jesus came and he died for us while we were still sinners. We weren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. We strive to be more like Jesus every single day. But if we walk around with a thinking that Jesus is thinking this direction when he's actually not, it has the ability to just limit to God. It's not only your own life, but in the lives of those around you. So when I say my, the name of my sermon today is there's a different side to Jesus, I want to emphasize that. So in my own capacity, I experienced a specific direction of how God thinks when I became a dad. You know, when you, when you, when you have your first child, everything changes. Everything changes. Because now it's not just about you being a dad. You, you also have the picture about what does my kids think of me. And that has challenged me as a father throughout the years. And I want to say this about two weeks ago. We've got this thing on a Sunday night. We all go into the main bedroom and we, we worship, for example. And two weeks ago, my three-year-old daughter decides she wants to lead worship, man. So we're like, okay, let's go and let's praise the Lord. And... We had like a soaking session in, in the main bedroom. So now, now you can picture this. We're all laying on our backs on the bed. And my three-year-old daughter just wasn't impressed that we were singing on our backs. She's like, no, hands up. And not one hand. You need to lie on your back with both of your hands up and you need to worship. And my three-year-old is singing away. But as she's singing, she's constantly looking through the corner of her eye to see whose hands isn't in there. And the minute you put your hands down, she'll stop worship and she'll tell you, put your hands up, please. And then you have to put your hands up again and then you go full-blown worship. And we're soaking. And as we're soaking, my three-year-old is leading a song, um, I Will Make Room For You. Uh, like I get this glimpse of Jesus just sitting on his throne and he's just like just enjoying what the, whatever is happening in my room and I get this glimpse of Jesus just sitting there completely satisfied completely immersed by just the love that he's receiving from us and I felt the Lord speak to my heart and he said it very clearly to me and he said this is what it's about he says this is so worth it and he'll do it again and that knocked me for Jesus to sit and admire the worship of a three-year-old, did you know that before Jesus, you didn't have that kind of access to God? You didn't. Jesus had to come and tore the, he had to tear the veil that separated you from, from, from his presence. And he paid such a price for that. 
And my three-year-old is worshipping and I have this picture of God just absolutely loving and adoring the fact that we're all sitting there worshipping. I'm like, this wasn't there years ago. So that also proves to me that Jesus had to do something different than what was done before. There's progression. There's a different side to Jesus this morning that I want to lay out boldly. Just put it out there and I hope that you grab this and that you run with this. God works outside of our thinking our spheres, our structures and our borders. To deny God to operate outside of those things is to deny God the ability and the privilege to be God in your life. God is limited by your thing. God, God is not a limited God. He, nothing is impossible. But did you know that, and Pastor to mentioned this a few times, and I love this, how you perceive God is how you'll approach God. And how you approach God is how much access you allow. I'll give you an example. I never used to see God as a funny guy. And I say that with all respect to my heart. Because I grew up in churches where you do not, you do not laugh in church. You, you have to be serious. Like the level of your seriousness is the level of your spiritual maturity. And I've learned that the, the more relaxed you are with God, even as an indication of how mature you are, because you understand who God is in your life. You can see God as a strict strict God sitting on a throne with a whip waiting for you to mistake. Or you can see God as the one that loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross because he loves you. Because he wants to break that barrier between you and him. You can see God as some, the Bible talks about God laughing in, in Psalms. I, ha, I, I have this thing where I tell God jokes sometimes and I think sometimes he laughs louder than I do. I'm the type of guy that I laugh at my own jokes. I don't need anybody to laugh at my jokes. I think I'm a funny guy. I, I don't mind laughing at myself. It doesn't make me crazy. I just think that's a, that's, that's, that's a pretty good joke. But when I do that, I always go to God with my jokes first. And there were times in my life, there was a time in my life where I didn't, I didn't worry about God. Before Jesus had encountered me the way he did, I, I didn't like Jesus. I hated his name. Um, to be honest, if somebody mentioned the name of Jesus on a highway, I'd offer to jump out the car because I wasn't interested. Because of the, the, the vision or the idea that I had, which was completely skewed, completely perverted as to who God really is. And I'm going to share later on about the encounter that I had. But to deny God the ability... To, to be outside the box, to be who he is, and it is to deny him to be who he is. We need to get to a, to a place in seeing a different side of God where God just invades every space. I'll give you an example. I have never seen God. I have now, but in my old doctrine, before encountering Jesus, I thought the only place that you could get saved was in church. The other, or maybe the other place where you could get saved was at a Christian camp or at a youth meeting. Never in my life did I think that God has the ability to walk into clubs and save people. Never did I think that God had the ability to walk into a drug deal between a buyer and the supplier to stand in the middle and at that moment heal the person who's buying the drugs. I, have, I never thought God would be the one that as somebody where a drug deal just went sour, running away, being shot at by a dealer, I never knew that God would be the one standing between the gun and the person being shot at. That person then waking up in his bed, realizing he's alive, 
and getting saved, encountering God, and being set free from drugs and that addiction. I thought Jesus was limited to church. But I'll tell you today that God has no limitations. There's no place where he's not. There's no place where you can hide. I want to tell you, I have found that to be absolutely true. Because me, myself, and I, I was on my way to suicide if God did not come and walk into a club to find me. God came and found me with a black label, oh, I don't want to say, with beer in my hand. And, you know, I had no God. I was drunk out of my mind, lost person on the dance floor. Jesus came and found me. But if I'm going to continue to think in a specific way, it's going to limit the way that God has access to my life. Your thinking, the limitations that you place on God doesn't limit God, but it limits the access that God has to your life. I can open up a garage door for a massive truckload of things to come in, or I can just open up a small little door and the truck can't get in. The way I see God, the way I perceive God, the way I believe God to be, the way the, the limit of my limitations of God restricts certain things to come into my life. And that's not God's plan. It's not God, what God wants to do. So we need to challenge our thinking. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge your thinking in terms of, and think about it right now. How do you see God? Do you see God as some, someone that's completely far off and doesn't have access to your life? Do you see God as somebody that can heal but doesn't want to heal you? Do you see God as somebody that can deliver but maybe not you? Or God can only deliver in certain areas. God can only save in certain places. You're sitting there today and you, you're not feeling well, you're sick. But do you believe that God can heal you right now? Or do you believe that that's specific to others? Another way of thinking about this, and I want to challenge this thinking, is I don't think that you need to be 100% pure, 100% correct, perfect for Jesus to heal you. Majority of the healings that I have seen with my own eyes and me being a witness, the majority of them and the biggest healings that I've seen have come from God encountering unsaved people. I want you to think about that. Why would God limit that healing ability to the unsaved when he's given so much more for the unsaved than just healing? God gave his son for the unsaved. Why would God withhold something like healing? Why would God not heal your, head, your headache? Again, what are you limiting God with? And what mindset are you approaching Him with? There's so much more of Jesus that I believe our minds cannot comprehend. It's impossible for us to understand the fullness of God even though it's available for us in a relationship with Jesus. But God is just too big. And we walk around sometimes thinking we, all, we know everything. The scribes did that. The priests in Jesus, as they did that, they believed that they, 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 they could debate anything. They believed that they knew everything. Yet Jesus was standing in front of them and they sent him to be crucified. Now my question is, do we really have that capacity as human beings? Yes, we're made in the image of God, but do you really think that we know everything? Do you know that John says, the book of John says in John 21 verse 25, it actually speaks of where John said, there's so many things that weren't added to his book. Because it boils down to, if you had to add every single thing that Jesus did, can you imagine the size of the book that he had to write? There's so many things that Jesus did that, that isn't really recorded, even though the Bible is 
spirit breathe and spirit inspired but imagine having to put down every single speech conversation prayer interaction i believe that there's so much more that jesus did but yet jesus comes to you and he says that you will do so much more than i did how what kind of god does that what kind of a god does all these miracles and then tells you that you will do more than this i just broke open but you think you can't lay your hands on the sick. You think you can't pray for anybody. When Jesus said, more than this you will do. How amazing is that? Imagine a world where we can just take our things off of our eyes, the scales off of our eyes, and just allow God to be. If God had to stand next to you right now, like in real, like real, real, would you still doubt in what he can do will you still when you look him in the face and in the eyes and you see with the wonder and the awe and 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 all these questions go i guarantee you if you look into the eyes of jesus all your questions doubts and anxieties and concerns will fall to the floor because you'll see who he is you'll see a different side of him there's a reason also that the angels are going around god every single time and they're continually saying holy holy i heard the one story it was amazing i said that the reason they are singing holy 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 every time they come around and they see a glimpse of god's face is because they see something different every single time you cannot Put God in a box. If the angels go around him constantly, being filled with awe and awestruck and wonder, why, why would we ever in the world think that we know it all? And that we know how God operates. We know how God will move when we don't. What if we lived in a time like the Pharisees did? What if... What, what, what if Jesus had to show up on earth today? What do you think he'll do? What do you think he'll do? I want to ask you that question. And it's going to challenge you. Is he going to run to the saved? And Come on, hear my heart. Is he going to run straight to the saved? Or is he going to run to the lost and hurting? I'm going to tell you how God operates. Saul just got approval. To go and persecute every single Christian. Every single Christian that he can find. Jesus encounters him. Not the saved. Not those who are pre-qualified. Jesus comes and he stops one person. The worst you can think of, he stops Saul. Changes his life. Saul becomes Paul and writes majority of the New Testament. He could have gone to Peter. He could have gone to John. He could have gone to any of the disciples that has actually walked with him. But he went straight to Saul was on his way to persecute his people and God takes that personally because the word says that when Jesus spoke Jesus didn't say why are you persecuting my children he said why are you persecuting me when the enemy comes at you God takes it personal do you realize that when the enemy comes at you God doesn't sit and allow certain things God takes it very personal I heard a sermon once and it's got to do with the Red Sea that the reason that the sea closed is because God sent them to a place where they were going to worship. I want you to think about that. Pharaoh was trying to interfere with them worshiping God. God thinks different than we think. If that's not the case, he wouldn't have gone to Saul. He would have gone to a Peter. Peter, by the way, had anger management issues. 
That guy was so rough. You, you, you could. He was like sandpaper. That's that's the kind of person he was. And yet, and yet, who did Jesus take one side to ask a very special question? <laughs> Do you love me? He was so close to an absolute rebel. The guy was nuts, man. <laughs> Think about it. Maria, if you have a look at her history, what a relationship they had. But look at the history. Do you worry that you can't have an, a relationship with God because you, you're stuck in drugs? You're stuck in pornography? You're stuck in all these things? And you think you're not worthy? I want to tell you that Jesus died for you. He died for you. So that He can have a relationship with you. Yes, no one's perfect. You're stuck in all these things. I get it. I get it. But the devil will come and tell you that you're not going to get out of this. And Jesus is standing in front of you like he stood in front of Saul and he's calling you out. And he's saying there's more for you. You don't have to continue on the road that you're traveling on. Why would you want to? I said it earlier, I was on my way to suicide. I was planning suicide. I would have been dead two weeks from the point of encountering Jesus. Now, I've been a church boy. My entire life I've gone to church. I've gone to so many churches. I brag about this all the time. I think if I go to heaven one day and there's an award ceremony, if there's an award for the mister or the person who got saved the most, I'm going to win it. I got saved so many times. I stopped counting. But you need to understand, I got saved not because I wanted anything to do with Jesus. I got saved because I was afraid of the rapture. <laughs> I was afraid of hell. I would get saved after I was smoke, smoking blunts. And got home, don't know how I got there. I would wake up in parks, give my heart to Jesus. I would wake up in random train stations, I'd give my heart to Jesus. I would be so drunk out of my mind, I would hear thunder or hear aeroplane. I would think it's the rapture and I would start repenting. I gave my heart to God so many times, but it wasn't until I encountered Jesus that my life changed. And I did not encounter Jesus in the church. I encountered Jesus in a club. My life testimony is built on the fact that Jesus does not operate the way I think. Jesus does not operate the way I hope. He's sovereign. He can do what He wants, how He wants. It's us as His children, funny enough, who are the ones who usually just put Him in a box. And we trust God for breakthrough. But if it doesn't happen that way or at that time, then God, where are you? You failed me. You're my heart this morning. I'm trying to convey a point that Jesus is so much bigger, so much greater than what our minds can ever fathom. I would not have been alive today if Jesus didn't decide to come clubbing to find me. It sounds ungodly when I say that Jesus on a dance floor, but it's real. No one can take that away from me. People can argue with me that you can't get saved in a club. I got saved in a club and no one touched me. Only Jesus. So you cannot tell me that God cannot save in a club. I know of people, listen, I want to share my heart right now. I know of, I know of gangsters that have gotten saved and are some of the, 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 the most influential preachers 
around. I know of one specific person that, that went to buy drugs and he tried to con the drug dealer and he was shot at. And today he is one of the most influential and most used evangelists by God, running in revival. I, I know of people who have been porn, porn stars in the past and God encountered them supernaturally. And I know of ex-porn stars that are preaching the living word, the, the good news of Jesus, and people are getting saved. You need to understand that God can use porn stars. God can, God can, or ex-porn stars, or ex-druggies. I don't know where you find yourself today, but God can use you. No matter how deep you feel that you are stuck in your sin, I want to tell you that if you're stuck in sin, you've got one answer, and his name is Jesus. Ask me, I know. I struggled with suicide attempts. I struggled with, with depression. I, I, I used to cut myself just to make sure I'm still alive and that my color of my blood is still red. I used to do this in school. I used to pull myself into a corner. Not that I had to because I had friends, but I would sit in a corner at school and I would start cutting myself just to make sure I am bleeding the right color. It sounds, it sounds absolutely silly, but if you're in that position, it's what you do. If that was my way to find out that I'm alive, that was where I was at. I didn't know a Jesus where I could go and talk to because I rebelled against him because of my past, because of things that the enemy has brought into my life from a young age. He has placed a cement over my heart and that the last person in the midst of my depression, in the midst of my suicide, in the midst of my addictions and my relationships, he was the last person I wanted to go to, but he should have been the first person. But I'm thankful today that I serve a God that comes into a nightclub to save me. I am grateful today that I serve a God that stands between a drug dealer's gun and the next person in line. Who's meant and called to be one of the biggest evangelists the world has ever seen. A God that can step onto a set of filth and save someone's life and are called to be preachers today. Mom, Dad, I want to tell you, I don't know where your kids are, but I know someone who does. I don't know how deep you're stuck in your sin, but I know someone who does. And I want to show you today that it doesn't matter where you find yourself. God knows where you're at. And He's going to pursue you like He pursued me. And He's going to run after you because that's His heart. He paid a price for you to be free, for you to be whole, for you to be in a relationship with Him. Trust me, God is pursuing you right now in the midst of your sin. Can I say that? Yes, I can. And I can say that boldly and confidently. And already I can hear some religious toes cringing in their shoes. I'm always up for debate, but you cannot debate facts. And the fact in me and my witness is that I serve a God that has no limitations. Listen to me this morning. I want to encourage you. If you can do it for me, if you can do it for the drug dealer, if you can do it for that ex-porn star, there's no deep well that God cannot find. So this is my heart today. If anything, remember this. God is too big for us to want to place a limitation on Him. In fact, listen to me this morning. We can't afford to put a limitation on God. The devil is running riot. He's not even hiding anymore. Things are so obviously happening, he doesn't care. Us as the body of Christ, 
we need to get to a place where we need to make Jesus real. How do you do that? It's between you and God. But don't sit in your chair thinking it's just going to happen. I want to tell you that it takes some action. In the previous town where me and my, my wife lived, we had a thing. On Saturdays, we would take out random, <laughs> just make random decisions, and we would take a bunch of guys to the marketplace. And we would pray, God, send us salvations. Send us the sick. Give us prophetic words. I have seen God heal unsaved people. I have seen God do miracles in people of different religions. I have se I've seen this. And you're wondering, what? What? I once heard somebody say that in order to receive healing, you need to be saved first. I'm going to tell you it's the biggest nonsense on the planet. And I have Pastor Tim listening to this. <laughs> so that's a bold statement for me to make. But it's the love of Jesus that brings people to repentance, not law. If that's true, then I will question every healing I've ever seen. Because I have seen people of other religions come, not to a planned place in the middle of a marketplace on their way to work, coming with crutches, walking away with crutches over their shoulders, some even leaving the crutches there. We have seen eyes open, we have seen ears pop open, the people who couldn't hear. We have seen God touch headaches, migraines, and flus. Is, is, is this something we planned? No, it's something that we just trusted God for. And 90% of the people God sends is not saved people. I guarantee you this. It's not saved people. God's heart is for the unsaved. And what is more precious, family, than God sending someone that doesn't even believe that He exists, chooses to believe that there is no God. And God pulls out the one leg because it was shorter than the other, heals the leg, heals the back pain that that person has been struggling with for years, person is healed instantly. What's more precious than saying to that person, you might not believe in Him, but He believes in you. It's the love of Jesus that brings people to repentance. And we've got to understand that we've got to know the Jesus we serve. And I think as the enemy has come, and it's, it's just blatant all over the place, I believe from an evangelistical point of view, the church needs to stop being quiet. The church and the body of Christ needs to come together, put their differences aside, whatever that might be and make Jesus the ultimate point of focus. The church doesn't have to be quiet. We should be running rampant. We should be running all over the place, simply because we know the world we live in, the times that we live in, and that Jesus is right around the corner. I need you to understand the church needs to be the, the, the body right now that is running the, the world riot at the moment. And I prophesied today that there's going to be a move of God coming where it's not going to be the big names. It's going to be the hidden ones, the ones who aren't out there. It's going to be you sitting in your living room. It's going to be your seven-year-old that's going to grade two. It's going to be the one going to matric who thinks he's a senior and has a reputation, but God's going to use him to bring revival in a high school. God is going to bring a move of people 
in this country, you're not going to know their names. And you know what? They're not going to care. They're not going to want their names in the tabloids, in the newspapers. All they're going to be pursuing is seeing Jesus touch their house, touch their family, touch the hospitals, and touch the school. If I knew today, I say it a lot, if I knew today, what I, if I knew in high school what I knew today, <laughs> look at Lord, there would have been a revival all over the place. I'm just saying, there's going to come a move of God, <laughs> and it excites the heaven into me. There's going to come a move of God, and we can all be part of it. So I encourage you today, let your restrictions go. Challenge every day. You need to make a point to challenge the way you think about God. Because if you're not careful, you'll always put God in a box based on what you know. So parents, I want to encourage you to stop praying for Don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for the family member who's stuck in all the wrong things. God has their name. God has their name. Don't think God can only heal them, change them, and deliver them on a Sunday morning. Most of the, the youngsters today don't even want to go to church. So if that's the case, you are already limiting God to reaching them based on if they are going to church that Sunday or not, when you can actually trust God to save them in the midst of where they're at. It doesn't cost God anything to show up <laughs> behind. Oh, let, me, let me just leave it there. I've seen God do things that I'm teaching my, my, my three and my six-year-old. They need to know who Jesus is. The time of Bible stories making it nice, we way past that. My child can either read a storybook about Moses and the Red Sea, or I can take that story and emphasize the power of who God is. Do you understand the ability that it took to split an ocean? Do you understand how much power is in God? Why well, can't just read the book oh, Moses went through the Dead Sea and it closed? Because that's what the enemy likes. He likes sweet little stories. But the minute you emphasize the power of God, same thing with churches. You've got to have that move of the Holy Ghost. You've got to have that move. It's time that the churches, regardless of denomination, you've got to bring Holy Ghost back into your churches. You've got to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit back in. The church should be the one place where people go for deliverance. The church should be the one place where people go for salvation. When I am sick, you go to, you go to the doctor. When you need healing in your life, the church should be the place where people come into. People get delivered because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that time of powerless church. It's over. The times that we live in, we need to move on and get on God's train. So I want to encourage you this week. Sit down for at least five minutes every day and just think, how big do I think God is? Because if that doesn't bring a sense of awe, wonder and appreciation when you sit for that five minutes if the thought of how big Jesus is doesn't scare you in a good way then I can tell you now you've limited him and then I challenge you to break it so I want to pray with you if I can end off it wasn't long but I hope I got the message across alright so if you're in your kitchen 
You don't need to sit down. God's there anyway. Just remember this week that God doesn't always operate the way we think. He's too big for that. Don't think that God is limited to areas, space, and time. Instead of waiting four weeks for your son or your daughter to agree to come to a church service, get God and allow God to meet them in the club while they're smoking pot, while they're taking their drugs. Don't wait for church. God can encounter them. Because it's anyway not about sitting in church and just saying a prayer. It's about encountering a living God changes your life when I met Jesus in my encounter on the dance floor I didn't say the sinner's prayer but God knows my life was changed I don't recall any of the disciples saying the sinner's prayer <laughs> I don't even recall Jesus saying that he was a Christian <laughs> that's your challenge this week how do you perceive Jesus get him out of the box so, Father, I thank you right now for your presence, Holy Ghost, in every area. Wherever this, my voice goes over the sound waves, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you encounter every person right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you are not restricted to a room. You are everywhere. And I thank you that this week and right now, God, you will bring a sense, Holy Ghost, of awe and wonder of how big you are, how sovereign you are, how capable you are over each and every person. God, I pray right now that every restriction that has been placed on you and your name, it goes in the name of Jesus. I pray that we will grow in boldness and know that your name is above every name, that nothing can compare to you. God, you don't even have an enemy because there's no one on your level. And we need to understand that because when we declare the name of Jesus, we need to believe that your name is God. Nothing compares. Demons flee at the sound of your name. Demons flee. Lord, we will not restrict you anymore. Lord, we will not restrict you anymore. Lord, go where our kids are. Go where our unsaved families are. Lord, in my own life, go where I'm even afraid to go and look to see what's wrong. I pray that you will go there. I thank you for healing right now in, over the sound waves in Jesus' name. I thank you for supernatural encounters right now in Jesus' name. I, th I pray, Lord, from the crown of their feet to the soles, the, from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet, Holy Ghost, that you will just consume them with your presence. Your word says that you will wrap us wrap around us with your loving presence right now. I thank you for that. I thank you that those that don't know you will know you. Those that doubt you will see you and experience you. I pray for those who are hungry for you will be filled to overflow according to your promise and your word. I thank you, Father, those listening who have doubted. God, I speak deliverance into lives right now. In Jesus' name, and you will be glorified. I pray every spirit go. In Jesus' name, I command healing in everybody. I speak deliverance in every person into every soul and our Lord just right now I pray that they will never be the same again I thank you that right now you are healing specific individuals I do see a lady watching right now with a red shirt on you are very you're struggling a little bit with back pain right now I speak to that back pain in the name of Jesus
Uh, you are listening right now. I want you to stand up and I want you to test your back. I want you to touch your toes. And I want you to add your comment in the, in the YouTube link at the bottom. Share your testimony. But I see, you, lady, you are struggling with back pain. You've got a red shirt on God's healing you right now. So you can get up from that couch of yours. You can get up from the couch right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that your spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, thank you that you you place a seal of deliverance over, over children right now, over youngsters right now. I thank you that right now we lift up every prayer of every parent into the sound waves and we lay it before your throne. And we thank you, God, that you send angels on assignments to have those prayers answered right now. I thank you that you will encounter the kids when they have the substances in their hands, when they are lifting that beer, when they are lifting that wine, when they are in the club, that you will not wait like we sometimes wait for you to act God that you will invade every space right now I thank you for healing I thank you for deliverance I thank you for salvation and I thank you for wholeness some of us think that because of who we are what we've done what we've been exposed to that God can't make us whole I want to tell you that God rose a dead man Lazarus from the grave God had a lot of fixing to do, but he did it instantly. There's nothing that God cannot do. And God wants to heal your emotions today. And right now, over your emotions, God, I speak your love and your peace. And I thank you that those, those Legos that have been scattered all over the floor in terms of emotions, God, that you will come with them and that you will start building the perfect picture. And that you will restore and bring restoration in their lives again. Father, we thank you for your beautiful beautiful son thank you holy spirit i declare and i seal this over everybody listening this morning in jesus mighty name amen, amen. so thank you have a good lunch <laughs> um flacy and it went god bless thank you for listening to the father's house christian fellowship sermon remember if you want to know more about our ministry or get in touch our Facebook page is The Father's House Christian Fellowship. Our Instagram handle is FH Cape Town. Or email us at admin at fhcf.org.za.